Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow. Thanks so much for spending part of your day with us. Take you up till the top of the hour. All things Giants up for discussion. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. You can also chime in via Twitter. Hashtag Giants Chat. We're going to get to your phone calls, get to your tweets a little bit later on in the program. But right off the top, we are going to wrap up our opponent previews today. As right. the final opponent that we have to break down Woo. is the Indianapolis Colts. As the Giants and the Colts will battle in week 16 so we got some time till we get there but to get a better idea of what to expect from Indianapolis this season we are now joined by Andrew Walker writer for Colts.com Andrew you got Lance Meadow Jeff Fiegels with you here on Giants.com appreciate the time how's everything hi Andrew hey guys hey everything's going well just enjoying the last couple of days for the the grind really starts with training camp so uh so and it's been an interesting off season so I think uh couple well, uh, well-deserved days off here this week and then get back to it next week. Absolutely. Before you know it, we'll it's have a grind. the grind. Yeah. The start <laughs> is uh, right on the horizon. This is the, the calm before all of a sudden I, things get interesting. And, I, and I, have a, I have a funny feeling that it might be a real grind for you guys up in Indianapolis <laughs> this coming season. That's just, you know, saying in that division that you guys are in, it's going to be a tough one for these guys this year. Well, and that's that's really kind of you know if you look at the AFC South past, it's really ended. Um, but you know that the Texans every once in a while or the Titans every once in a while would kind of have a good team and contend. But mostly it's been the Colts and and the Jaguars have just been the little brother everybody's beat on. And then now all of a sudden you know you get um, you know as you guys are very well aware you know you get um, you know something built. And, and you get people that know what they're doing and, and build something. And now that the Jaguars seem to just be just just the, the class of the, the AFC South right now. But the South still could be very good. And as you said, it, it could be tough for the Colts, obviously. But depending on who's under center, um, healthy, um, how quickly they can adjust to a new coaching staff and all these schemes, um, you know, they, they still, I think the thought process is, um, let's be realistic here, but they still can contend, I think, So let's start there. He did throw a little bit during the course of the offseason program. What's the latest with respect to Andrew Luck? How has he looked from what you've seen? Yeah, by all accounts, you know, from Luck himself, from general manager Chris Ballard, from head coach Frank Reich, uh, Luck should be ready to take on more of a full practice load by the time uh, camp practices start next week. Um, he's just kind of continued to check off the boxes. Um, you know, the last few weeks he was supposed to have really ramped things up. And we believe he worked with his receivers out in California here recently, but he's a really private person. So um, the only thing we really have to go off there are Instagram stories from uh, receiver Chester Rogers. But um, no luck wants to uh, and has been wants to throw four days a week now, just kind of like he would. So he'll have during camp, he'll have kind of theoretical Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, like during a regular season, and then by the Sunday time. rest the other day so it's going to be shut it down and kind of refocus its rehab. By all accounts, um, things are, are looking good. Um, he now, but now getting adjusted to this new offense with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni. Um, obviously, you guys are very familiar with Frank Reich and what he can do the last couple seasons, but um, really a, a creative mind and a, and a quarterback-friendly type system. Um, for Luck and um, and Jacoby Brissett, for that matter, who um, you know had to come in and uh, immediately start after being traded, you know, uh, for from the Patriots last year, and did okay. You know, the the, the final.
Um, what, what if, 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 if he had to tell you, or, or maybe the medical staff or the coaches, what, what is one thing that, that they want to be really careful with him? I know that you had mentioned him. Grind it out third and one. Yeah, we know him. Pass protecting Dallas. type yep. back. Yeah, and and he um, he suspended the first four games. So there's another you know there's another uh, thing to throw into the to go the figure. Another the, Dallas guy suspended for four games. Really? <laughs> We're used to yeah, that, by the way. But, uh, we, we like to we like to throw shots at those Dallas guys every once in a while for some reason. I don't know, but we do. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. Um, the, so the short answer about the run game is they're going to no longer kind of have a bell cow like a gore, and they're going to do more running back by committee. You guys all saw it with um, Reich and the Eagles last year with, with Garrett Blunt, okay. Jai, and Corey Clement. Um, they kind of split carries. Blunt got most, uh, you know, the majority of them, but then Ajay and Clement kind of sprinkled in there when, when needed. Um, and every one of those backs brought a different flavor to the offense, kind of kept defenses guessing. Um, and they ranked third in the league doing that. So um, the Colts kind of have a similar situation right now with Marlon Mack. Again, this will be his second year. He is coming off labrum surgery, um, and training camp should be his reintroduction to the field. He didn't participate in the offseason program. He's a guy that, that has all the tools to be a breakaway back. He's not your traditional back by any means, but he's a guy that can take it outside and, and hit a home run anytime he has the ball in his hands. He has to work, though, on not breaking it outside every time. He's working on his inside game so that he doesn't have – he had a lot of positive, uh, you know, plus 15, plus 20-yard carries last year, but he also had a lot of zero and negative-yard carries. So as a second year back, they're hoping that he'll be able to take what he's learned, especially from a guy like Frank Gore, and kind of take it to a new level. Naheem Hines, a guy that, that you draft in the, in the fourth round, um, a guy that, that's just a weapon all over the field, Kind of, I don't, you know, it, I don't know how you guys are on the expectations or attaching names to it, um, but you know, he's a guy that that's kind of like a uh, uh, the guy that catches the 
ball very well and a guy that runs the ball very well um, that that can do it all at the running back position as far as be a weapon and take take the defense's attention away from others. So, um, but he is a rookie, so we have to see you know once the pads come on how he can do. Um, but then there's they they got Jordan Wilkins in the draft too. Um, and then there's Christine Michael, you know, another former Cowboy, yep. um, who's in the mix now. Now that Turbin's kind of suspended those first four games, Christine Michael kind of takes on the um, the veteran presence, if you will. So there's going to be competition there, and, and the names aren't super well known. Um, but the thought process is with a running back by committee, you know, Well, to your point, as we're talking with Andrew Walker of Colts.com, that's exactly what Philadelphia was able to take advantage of, where they had a variety of backs. Even Darren Sproles was involved before he went down, so I could see Frank Reich adopting a similar philosophy. Now, as you well know, Andrew, it's all dependent on that offensive line. And I think it's fair to say over the last few years, and even a contributing factor as to why Andrew Luck got hurt, the offensive line has been somewhat of the Achilles heel for this team. They go out, they draft two offensive linemen. I love the Quentin Nelson pick in the first round. They also got Braden Smith in the early second round. How is this offensive line looking, especially with them infusing some youth? And I know they also went out and brought in two veteran free agents in Matt Slauson and Austin Howard. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt uh, Chris Ballard entered the 2018 draft with a you know primary focus of strengthening the Colts up front first, and then kind of working his way back from there. And as you know, it's you know it's well known how much the Colts have struggled with their offensive line in recent years. I mean, last year uh, I think 56 sacks allowed. So, uh, and again, that's not all on the offensive line, but you know it mostly is. So Ballard makes a St. Patrick's Day trade with the Jets that moved Indy from number three to number six, but netted them three additional second-round picks, um, two of them in this year's draft and one next year, um, and, and starts making the fixes. And, um, you know, the the Colts were barely even on the clock by the time Ballard called in to Quentin Nelson to, to pick him. Um, and he, you can't really blame him as far as, um, you know, this guy's considered one of the best, if not the best, offensive line overall prospects, regardless of position, the last decade or two, um, and and a guy, you know, not only position of need, but, but someone of that caliber you want to get. Obviously, you know, I'm sure the Colts would have loved to have had, a, a, as you guys know, a Saquon Barkley. Um, they considered Bradley Chubb maybe moving up to, to number five to get Chubb, but, but no, they're they very comfortable with, with Quentin Nelson. Um, and then you, you mix that at, you put Quentin Nelson at left, left guard, you already have Anthony Costanza at left tackle, and Ryan Kelly at center. Those are all former first-round picks. And then on the right side, you kind of have a competition, but it seems like Matt Foster right now over Braden Smith at right guard and Austin Howard right now over Denzel Good at, at right tackle. But what that means is your line is a lot more solidified than it has been in years past, and they believe the competition will not only, you know, obviously you'll get your starters from that, but you'll have good depth behind them, which is not something they've had in the past, and they've been – really struck with the injury bug on the offensive line, which hasn't helped things. And then poor play overall just obviously doesn't help things. So um, they think that that should help a lot. Um, and uh, and I know the Colts really wanted Will Hernandez um, and thought that once Will Hernandez was off the board, Braden Smith was really the final kind of starting caliber rookie uh, draft pick available at the guard position. So they jumped at the chance to get him with, with one of their four second-round picks. So um, – so I know that, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. you got to do it on the field. Again, you throw the pads on. I think next Saturday will be the first padded practice for the Colts. Throw the pads on and see where you're at, and then get in the preseason, the regular season, and all that. But I think the thought process right now is they're very encouraged by how they've been able to kind of build up the, the offensive line uh, going inside out in their, excuse me, in their approach instead of just kind of picking and choosing uh, a free agent here, a free agent there, or kind of picking someone in the draft. It's it's a very it's been a very focused um, selection of, of these guys as far as uh, going inside and getting offensive linemen. Well, I mean, we pretty much touched everything other than the wide receivers where you really need some help. <laughs> I mean, if Andrew yeah. Luck is going to throw to anybody, I mean, right now you got T. Y. Hilton and Jack Doyle, and my well, you got Ebron yeah. too. So, but I think you look at that. That's right. kind of you know, there's 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 a there's a void there as far as starters and in depth too, right? Yeah, 
no, and, and that was that's definitely a, a storyline entering camp. Um, what they think they have, so really the only returners coming back from last year from the Colts um, at the wide receiver position who made any sort of significant contributions, obviously are C.L.A. Hill and then Chester Rogers, who kind of um, third-year guy who kind of battled um, some hamstring injuries and then came back and he had a touchdown, his first career touchdown last year, maybe 20, 25 catches, but a guy who shows up really well in the practice field, and they, they hope that it can translate um, to the game field here soon. But then you, you sign Ryan Grant, who's a dependable route runner guy, not going to blow you away with speed or, or uh, anything like that, but a guy that runs really good routes and catches the ball and had a good year for the Redskins last year. So those three are kind of right now being counted on, um, you know, at, at the wide receiver position, and really T.Y. Hilton hasn't had, and, and this is what they need more than anything, they need someone to take the pressure off T.Y. Hilton. Because when teams last year were able to just completely take Hilton out of the game, Done. really no one, I mean, Jack, Jack Doyle had 80 receptions and was a pro bowler, uh, maybe partly because of this and because he's just good. But when, when teams took T.Y. Hilton out of the game, there's just nothing you could do. And they need a number two receiver to step up um, to at least be consistent. And I think they think they have that in either Rodgers or Ryan Grant. But they did get Deontay out of Clemson um, with a six-round pick. I don't, and there's a lot of talk about why he dropped his sixth round. He was probably a second- or third-round talent. But he's, he seems to be, at least through the offseason program, he seems to be um, you know, all they talk about as far as talent and, and what he brings to the position and speed and size and all that. He seems to be the real deal. Um, and then, uh, you know, they have Reese Fountain, um, who played uh, at a small school in northern Iowa, but uh, was productive, obviously, if you're going to pick him in the fifth round, um, and uh, seems to also have size, talent, um, you know, speed, all those attributes. So there's three guys at the top in Hilton, Ch- Chester Rogers, and Ryan Grant that they're going to be depending on, and then a couple wild cards and rookies that they hope can kind of step up and, and prove their worth maybe a little early, um, being fifth and sixth-round picks. Andrew, earlier we were talking about perhaps the similarities between the Eagles' run game and the Colts' run game. I look at last year and what Zach Ertz was able to do, a huge breakout campaign, and then Trey Burden, who's now with the Chicago Bears, was also a key contributing factor for Philadelphia. Based on the fact that Frank Reich was there, I mean, if I'm Jack Doyle, I got to be excited in terms of how he utilized the tight end. But I'm curious from your perspective, how much do you think they're going to utilize Doyle and Ebron on the field at the same time to perhaps make that a big component of the offense this year? Yeah, it's actually been a fun game for us this offseason. Like, we'll look at the Eagles offseason from last year and be like, oh, maybe the Colts will do this exact thing because (laughs) it worked so well for them last year. Um but, you know, you also have to – Jack Doyle is about as dependable as it comes as far as um, doing his job, the dirty work as a tight end, and then making tough, getting open across the middle, intermediate kind of to short routes, and just being a, a good security blanket. So um, – and then Eric Ebron is more your freakish athletic guy. Now, obviously, it's, he's had four years with the Lions, number 10 overall pick, picked ahead of Odell Beckham, you know, yeah. and – um, it hasn't really panned out for him the way that everyone had hoped, but I think the the hope is that a fresh start should really benefit him, especially in this kind of offense. So you look at Ertz, you look at Trey Burton, um, they're not exactly Doyle and Ebron. As far, you can't say one's one and one is the other, but they definitely all have similarities as far as what they bring as far as pass catchers together as a group. So I think what you do is you use Ebron as your guy, your mismatch guy, we saw him lined up all over the field out wide in the slot and all that during practices um, to kind of blow by either linebackers or safeties or out-muscle cornerbacks across the middle. Then you utilize Doyle to continue being that high-reception, security blanket, um, dependable guy kind of on the shorter routes. And once you do that and you start looking at the possible numbers, Doyle can still have 70, 75 catches and, and be in the six, 700 range in yards. And Ebron can can have 40, 50 catches, have a few tu- a few more touchdowns, and be more of the big play guy. So the Colts are really excited about what they have at, at tight end. And then they have a few more guys, Ross Travis, um, Daryl Daniels, uh, kind of uh, guys you, you wouldn't have heard of, but they're more the basketball prototypes, uh, kind of like a, you know, uh, talking about, you know, Eric Swope also on the Colts, a basketball prototype. 
um, that that guys that they think can can be mismatched nightmares eventually. But for right now, with Doyle and Ebron, I think the Colts are really excited with what they have at tight end. Well, you know, you got you were going to switch to the defense. Uh, they switch it up from a three four to a four three. Giants have done the opposite. Went from four three to a three four. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, looking at the at the Colts roster, very young, inexperienced, a very thin on depth, and then talk a little bit about that. And I also like to know a little bit about uh, Malik Hooker and how he is coming back from his ACL injury from last year too. The former number one pick for the Colts last year. Right, and uh, I mean, just going with Hooker, I, he's one of those guys that. When he was healthy and he was on the field last year, he's a guy that I like personally. I couldn't keep my eyes off of him. He's just kind of that kind of playmaker, maybe like a Landon Collins, just always, you know, always around the ball, always making a play. And then unfortunately, he gets hurt. Um, you know, week seven, uh, just a you know a, a freak thing where he's he's taken out at the knee along the sideline, a, a legal block, still you know look you know brutal, and he's done for the year. And and now he's working his way back. Um, I would say he's a good candidate. And, and, you know, this is just my guess for the pup list to start train camp maybe and see where he's at. He didn't, you know, obviously didn't participate in any of the on-field stuff during the off season, And he'll be about the 9- to 10-month mark um, in his recovery by the time the uh, the regular season rolls around. So, um, you know, that's that's fast, but that's about normal maybe for, for some of these more freakish athletic guys that can yeah. come back for ACL. So we'll kind of see with him. But I would certainly think by week 16, by the time the Colts play the Giants, he'll, he'll obviously be back and ready <laughs> to go. <hope>. Yeah. <laughs> um, as, as for the defense, yeah, they go to a 4-3 because, first off, you know, you look at kind of the Peyton Manning era um, and um, and the surface the Colts play on, you know, uh, indoor surface, um, and you, you see all the success they had. Now, the defense wasn't great every single year. But the success they had was with the pass rush with Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis, and then they would sprinkle in some really good, you know, Bob Sanders yeah. and guys like that. Um, they want to get back to that. They want to play speed, effort football, um, and go into the four-three will allow them to do that. They're going to try to again, kind of utilize what the Eagles have done last year, where it was just throwing guys at you in waves, and that's what they want to do. So, um, so yeah, but they are young; they're unproven. Um, the linebacker spot. Uh, defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus said, "I walked in the." He said this at, towards the end of the off-season program. He said, "I walked in the linebacker room today and told the guys, and he means this. He's not just saying it to build competition. He says, I don't know who number one is right now, and I don't know who number ten is right now. So <laughs> that's how wide open it is at linebacker heading into training camp. So there's some questions at linebacker, the the Sam, the Mike, and the the Will. Um, there's there's young guys that could fill in those spots, but there's been some kind of off-season injury issues like Darius Leonard." The second round pick out of SC State. There's, you know, no one really knows what's going on with him. So, um, and he's yet to sign his his rookie contract too. So, there's some questions there, but there are some pieces in place there. I think the defense, kind of as you alluded to, is young. It's going to take its lumps early, but by week 16, I think uh, they they will have a really good idea of what they have um, defensively, and and the Giants will will obviously have plenty of film by that time. Um, and, and try to adjust, but but I think it's it's a unit that by by the end of the season this year and come next year will really have been built up to exactly what Chris Ballard and the coaching staff wants. Well, Andrew, one player they had who was an established veteran was Jonathan Hankins, who Giants fans are very familiar with, and it appeared yeah. they parted ways with him because of financial reasons. But you know, from what I saw, I thought Hankins was fairly productive in his one year with Indianapolis. Two-part question for you, Andrew, just because obviously it's tied into sure. the Giants. How surprised were you that they ultimately parted ways with Hankins, and how surprised are you that he's actually still on the market and has yet to be signed by a team? Yeah, I was I was super surprised when when that ended up playing out. I think it was the same day as the St. Patrick's Day trade, um, and then later in the day they let Hankins go. I, I think what they were doing, and and then they just ultimately came to the conclusion it wasn't going to happen. They were trying to put him on the market and see if any teams were interested in a trade, and it just wasn't happening. For Chris Bauer, the way he explains it, it was scheme fit. Um, he says going from the three four to the four three just wasn't uh, Hankins' strong suit, according to them. They think. Um, he's great against the run and a four three. He's a great, you know, gap guy. He he's very good at mining his gaps. He's very good at stopping the run. Um, but they felt that in the four three they needed quick more quickness off the ball. And Hankins is a big fella and they oh, yeah. have some big fellows currently, 
but they, they just felt they wanted a little bit more quickness off the ball. Um, what was interesting to me, though, is Hankins did play in a 4-3 in New York, yeah. so um, and he did pretty well. So, I, you know, I, I, you know, maybe, as you alluded to, maybe some, some money had something to do with it, but maybe it didn't because the Colts still have a crap ton of cap room um, left even after free agency and, and the draft and all that. So, um, so yeah, but, I, you know, I know he's kind of flirted with the Redskins a little bit, um, uh, and it seems like that's, that ship has sailed. They, the Redskins got a couple other guys up front that, that fill their needs. But, um, you know, he's one of those guys that wherever he goes, he'll, you know, maybe he'll be kind of like a Des Bryant where he doesn't, doesn't necessarily need a uh, – not in, not in many ways, but in this one particular way like Des Bryant – where he doesn't necessarily need a full off-season workout. He's a veteran by now. He can come in and contribute, um, you know, whether it's the start of camp or, you know, put him in the preseason or, or whatever. Um, seems like he's veteran enough that he can help a team um, no matter when he signs. So I'm not really super surprised he's still out there, um, but but I think whatever team does get him, um, he'll do a good job because he was, he was a great uh, defender against the run last year yeah. for the Colts, and the Colts improved greatly. Um, actually against the run, um, despite all their other issues in their defense. So, um, so I think Hankins is a guy, he's well-liked, he's, uh, he's a leader, um, and it just wasn't a good fit, I think, scheme-wise. And they just wanted to be, Chris Bauer wanted to be honest with, with himself and say, is this the perfect guy we want, or do, would we rather have someone uh, younger that we can fill in and, um, and, and develop there that, that's more to what we want at that position? So that's what they did. Well, I got to go then. And by the way, we, we have uh, a lot of people like you on our shows and telling and doing great jobs, but we always have to end on special teams. <laughs> so I always yeah. have to ask a special teams question <laughs> being that, and t- sure. uh, two, two that's parts your here. Forte, no, so number that's one, why. number one, uh, Michael Badgley was uh, from Miami. Uh, my son plays yeah. for Miami as a punter. So Michael and my son, Zach roomed together on the road. So number one was, was curious how he did in camp and what your take was. I know he, he has, basically no shot to make the team as a place kicker other than the fact sure. that maybe Adam Vinatieri is, uh, you know, a hamstring away from retiring. But I know I know that, you know, after playing 22 seasons, now Adam is going to break my 20. He's going to be – he's going to move up into the upper echelon of years played in the NFL now. No wonder you're rooting for the hamstring so injury. Now I, it all makes you know, sense. But I, I, I <laughs> yeah. do want to – you know, he's just been an amazing player. Obviously, you're going to be a yeah. Hall of Famer. Um, give me a little bit about the kicking game, and and uh, and everybody else can go, can go to the bathroom and come back when you're done. I'm sure that's, that's usually what happens when we go here. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, well, Badgley. The good news for Badgley is that he'll probably, you know, he'll have his shot to at least have, get good practice film. Sure. Um, for himself to, to showcase to other teams. Right. Because right. you know, it's Van Terry's so experienced and and frankly so old now that he doesn't need to kick. He knows how many. You know, reps he needs during the off season yep. during training camp to get himself ready. So the good news for Badgley is, yeah, he's probably not going to make the team, obviously, but but he'll have some good film. Uh, good. Probably, you know, I don't know, I don't know if they'll keep him through the preseason or what, but if they do, that's very good for him, and he'll have a chance to show what he can do nice. to the 31 other teams. And as we know, the kicker market, there's the same. It seems like it's the same five to six guys every year that sign with new teams. And if you can establish yourself as a younger guy like Badgley can, then that will be good for him. Um, but, yeah, Vinatieri, I think by week five, should be uh, holding the, the league's all-time uh, career field goals made record. Yep. Um, and by week by week eight or nine should be the, um, the all-time leader in points scored. So he's just, you know, it, it's just another year for him, um, which is amazing to say now. He's going to be 46 this year. Um, later this year, and um, and and it's been amazing to to be able to watch that kind of like you alluded to with Frank Gore. It was awesome to be able to watch him go about his business. It's the same with Adam Vinatieri. You're watching legit, not not just Hall of Famers, but the best of all time at their position. Um, it's something you don't take for granted. Um, but as far as you know, at punter with Rigoberto Sanchez, who was one of the, if not the top uh, rookie punter last year. Um, did a really good job with net yardage and, and all that stuff was, I think, third in the league in net yardage. So he was able to fill the shoes of Pat McAfee pretty well, which isn't easy to do. Yep. Um, so they've, they've got, they've got a duo there. Um, and then Luke Rhodes, at long, we'll talk long snappers, and, and people can, can come back from <laughs> no, the they're just coming back now. This, so. but, <laughs> Perfect but, timing. But, uh, <laughs> but Luke Rhodes, 
Luke Rhodes last year was a, was trying out at linebacker. He had, he had been on the team the previous year as a first year linebacker, kind of a backup guy. Oh, really? And during the off season, there and during the off season, they said, "Hey, do you want to give snapping a try?" Because uh, they had, they had released <laughs> veteran Matt Overton, and um, sure, so he made the team. Uh, he hadn't snapped since high school. They made the team as a long snapper and had no issues whatsoever during the season. So that's great. Um, so the Colts feel the Colts have a lot of questions everywhere else, uh, especially yep. on defense, but at special teams, um, they, they feel comfortable uh, with what they have. So that's, that's one area they've, they've pretty much always excelled in and, and an area they expect to continue excelling in uh, this year. We're well, talking with you, Andrew. Andrew Walker of Colts.com. Andrew, before we let you go, just a big-picture perspective. The Colts and the Giants are similar in the fact that you know both teams really changed the culture of the organizations this offseason, yeah. especially in terms of the coaching staff. And you know, I'm sure a lot of people remember Josh McDaniels, it appeared, was going to be the head coach. And then all of a sudden, Chris Wait, Ballard. What happened? What are you talking about? I don't know about. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> yeah. And then Chris Ballard is yeah. thrown for a loop. And, you know, I mean, the fact that yeah. he managed to get Frank Reich, I think, is an accomplishment in itself, considering what he did with the Philadelphia Eagles. What type of a challenge has it been for Frank Reich, considering he came in late, he had to put a coaching staff together, and, you know, what type of position did that really put them in, considering the offseason time is short and so valuable to get ready for the upcoming campaign? Well, think about this. Um, Chris Ballard, you know, usually in an offseason as GM, he wants to fly around the country to all kinds of pro days and workouts for, for draft prospects. The Colts hired Frank Reich, I believe, on February 10th, and then they essentially had two weeks to assemble a coaching staff before the start of the combine. Um, which you know, obviously, the coaching staff's vital in interviewing players and prospects. Yeah. And then you got you know Senior Bowl and all that stuff. So, um, so there's there's all that going on, and so Frank uh, Chris Ballard, excuse me, could only get to one pro day this year, and it just happened to be Notre wow. Dame's. So he got a chance to see <laughs> Quentin Nelson up front, up close, and kind of make his decision. Hey, if if this guy's still available, we're we're jumping the you know we're we're jumping at him. Um, so that's how that kind of worked out. With Frank Reich, they they feel very fortunate in the way things worked out. Um, you know, obviously as you talked about with Josh McDaniels, uh, you know I've said this a couple other times, but I almost drove I was driving home and I almost drove off the road when I saw on my phone someone sent me that he had um, backed out on the because it was so, it was such a sure thing um, that he was coming to the Colts. I mean they scheduled a press conference for the next day. Um, we were given the go-ahead to post stuff to our site and all that. Um, so, so I almost drove off the road because I was so surprised by that. But the Colts feel very fortunate because Reich was on their original list of six or seven guys they really wanted to talk to for the position. But because Reich wasn't accepting any calls during the playoffs, they just they couldn't talk to him. Uh, you know, they couldn't reach out to him and try to get an interview. Um, so, the the Eagles win the Super Bowl. Reich's all of a sudden available. They have a, a very big need, and it takes less than a week for them to, um, after interviewing maybe a couple other guys, but it takes less than a week for them to, to realize we, we should have targeted this guy from the start. Um, so it has been a challenge. Um, you know, he's he assembled a, a staff. It, it, the, the thought process isn't that they, they're kind of getting like a leftover staff. They've got a pretty good mix of experienced guys and then uh, really good former college coaches and all that, and then Factor in Robert Mathis is is coaching the team's pass rushers. Um, Reggie Wayne has been a, a kind of volunteering with the receivers. They've they've got some good coaches and teachers in place now. Um, so now now it's just applying that on the field. Um, but you know everything considered, just how tumultuous this offseason's been. Um, Edwin Jackson, linebacker, passed away in a, a, a very unfortunate uh, drunk driving related accident where someone hit him on the side of a road. Not him being drunk, but someone hit him um, in February. You know, it's it's been a tumultuous off season for the Colts, but I think Reich has been able to establish. Um, uh, you know, he's been very firm in, in his beliefs and very firm in the way he goes about things, and he's been a very good leader. Um, and and it's solidified kind of the the the, the whole organization. So um, I think going into camp and and the season, um, you know. Reich, Reich said, you know, he has his eye towards the future, and he knows that the Colts are building their roster currently, but he's focused on winning now, and and he don't he doesn't think it'd be fair to his players or his coaches to be saying, yeah, we're going to be good next year, or the year after. He wants to be good now. He saw I was done with you know to be a winner with the with the Bills all those years as their backup quarterback, and then last year with with the Eagles. So he knows how it's done. He knows how to get to Super Bowls. 
he wants to establish that right now. So, yeah, the, the, the Josh McDaniels thing was, was unfortunate, but I think it was a blessing in disguise for everybody with the Colts organization. Well, it'll certainly be exciting to see Andrew Luck back on the field and what becomes of the Colts, just as Giants fans are intrigued by what's going to happen with the Giants with a new coaching staff and a new offense. Andrew, sure. great insight. Really appreciate you, the Andrew. time. Thanks so yeah. much for joining us. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks, guys. Really appreciate you having me on, and uh, good luck this year. You, you got ready, it. Get ready for the grind, Andrew. Get some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's coming. All right. It coming. Is, good for you. Before you know it, Andrew Walker, Colts.com, kind enough to weigh in on what to expect from Indianapolis this season. And, you know, like the Giants, a lot of new things in store for the Colts. He talked about the changeover in the coaching staff. But, you know, this is an extremely young team. It's amazing how when Peyton Manning was there, and even Andrew Luck at the beginning of his career, Jeff, you know, you'd look at Indianapolis, you'd look at a established AFC powerhouse, a team yeah. with a lot of weapons. Yet, over the last few years, they've really infused a lot of youth, a lot of unknown commodities on this team. It, it seems to me that, you know, you always, you always knew that Peyton Manning and then that offense was going to be good, you know. So, and then they started to have that defense, which really that's what got him to the Super Bowl and those things like that. Like you said, the Freeny, Mathis, absolutely. In the world, you know, and Bob it was Sanders. very, very fast defense. That and then as soon as Peyton left, and all of a sudden, you know, these guys all of a sudden start retiring and leaving the defense, and then the organization. You had the, you had what happened to uh, the Rob, you know, to Ursay, all the stuff off the field there. Yeah. Um, and then you had the, of course, the the with the coach, um, with the coach from the the Colts before. Josh McDaniels. No, they just got fired. Um, Chuck Pagano? Yeah, Chuck. Yeah. So, you know, that, that whole thing with he had cancer, and then they felt – I really felt they, they felt bad for the guy, and then Bruce they brought Arians him back. Bruce took and, over, and then if you Bruce, remember. Yeah, so there was a lot left, of yeah. turmoil in the organization, and I think that, you know, um, and maybe they are lucky to get Frank Reich. You know, who knows? Time will tell. But I, you do see a lot of similarities in the fact that building a roster, they're doing a lot like Philadelphia has done, and and, – and, and you know, really, that's what you're going to do. I mean, if you're a first-time head coach, you're going to you're going to kind of take what you what the success that you've seen and the team that you were just with. By the way, they won the Super Bowl and try to mimic a lot of that. Now, some of it you can do, and some of it you can't. It's also up to the general manager and and the organization if they let you operate in that sense, you know. But uh, you know, they're they're going to have a tough it's tough hill uphill. I mean, he said that Frank Reich knows how to win. Yeah, he might know how to win, but. It's going to be tough to win with this <laughs> roster. I can tell you that right now. And by the way, you he don't did go beat to around four, the bush. By yeah. the way, he did go to four Super Bowls. And they never won one of them either. <laughs> so oh, you talk about his days with the Bills. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But I'm just, you know, all kidding aside, I think he is a good coach. I think he understands um, what's going on, and I think that being down in Philadelphia will help him. Uh, get this team in the at least going in the right direction. Well, he's worked with a variety of different quarterbacks, and even though Andrew Luck's been in the league for a little bit, he's still a young quarterback who has time in terms of development. So yeah. that's a positive, and I think Reich has worked with a variety of quarterbacks. Remember, he was also, before he went to the Eagles, people forget he was the offensive coordinator of the Chargers, right. so he worked with Phillip Rivers. So yeah. I think that experience is going to help. It'll give Andrew Luck a new voice, but the key is he's got to be 100% health-wise, Jeff. We could talk about all his upside you yeah. want. you got to be healthy. Well, that's why I asked him the question, like, if the, if you have to worry about one thing, no, what is it? No, it's a great it? question, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, um, a lot like, you know, other players, and, and you know, maybe you could call it Odell Beckham, okay? Let's talk about, you know, you got to be careful. You know, Andrew had said that Luck came back. He was missing a couple of things here and there because he wanted to get back quickly. And and it was you know he, he was he felt bad about it for his teammates you know not being on field. Well, guess what? That that kind of backfired him because he didn't miss the whole season. So this Set has back. been one of those things where you got to be really really careful and take your time coming back and then understand what you did right and what you did wrong last time. That you just come and correct it. So um, th I think that he's the kind of guy. Unfortunately. For, he's a competitor, and he's a guy that wants to be on the field, and I think you have to kind of take the reins and pull him back a little bit. Um, you know, some guys are like that. Some guys don't want to get back on the field. They just basically say, hey, listen. Got the laid-back philosophy. I'm, I'm yeah. not going to get back there. I'm not going on there until the regular season. But uh, I think quarterback, you got to be able to – you know, receivers, yeah, you're going to kind of get hit. But quarterbacks, they get hit a lot. 
You know what I'm saying? I mean, in that pocket, well, even when they throw the ball. Especially if you have a rough offensive I mean, line, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Which was yeah. the case for Indianapolis over the last few seasons. That's why they went out and addressed that area. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat. We're going to give you an opportunity to weigh in for the remainder of the program as we have officially wrapped up our previews of every single Giants opponent. So hopefully you found those informative. And before you know it, we'll obviously be delving into the games once again. Let's hit up the lines. We got Charlie in Portland, Maine. Charlie, Chuck what is old. happening? What's up, Chucky? Hey, Lance. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Hey, how come how come we didn't preview the uh, preseason game opponents? Oh, goodness, <laughs> you missed them. Well, we have time yet. Hold on, we, yeah. we, we'll, we'll still yeah, get to that. Yeah, Just we'll for you, Charlie. Yes, Just, yeah, exactly. We'll preview that. Yeah, we like actually Detroit. we were torn between previewing the Cleveland Browns or previewing and having a conversation for the hundred fiftieth time about offensive linemen. So it, it was a tough battle. Yeah. Hey, I, hey! Actually, I'm not even. I wasn't going to bring up the offensive line. Yeah, sure. But, I'm positive. What, what, yeah. Is this Charlie from Maine? <laughs> I know. Right? Yeah. Hey, what I was going to bring up is like, what are we going to do? Wait to like 12:01 uh, a.m. on Sunday morning to sign Barkley? I mean, why? Why does it take so long to sign this guy when everything's slotted? I mean, you know, I don't get it. Well. I will tell you that, yeah, everything is slotted, just the numbers. But I think, Charlie, a lot of it is uh, language. There's a lot of things in there that uh, people, just like any contract, whether it's real estate or whatever, they just don't like the way things are worded. And I think that, you know, you got vacations and you got all this other stuff. Believe me, by the time it's it's coming, he's not going to be a guy that's going to hold out until the middle. Because really, what are you holding out? You're not holding out for money. You're holding out right. for structure, yeah. so I think it'll get it'll get done. But that's what they're doing. It's just a lot of the language in there, and maybe there's some workout stuff, workout bonuses, things like that that they're trying to to, to hush out. Well, and here's the other thing, Charlie. As a means of comparison, you know, number one, the big positive is he's been with the team. He's been working out yeah. because if you remember, Joey Bosa of the Chargers a few years ago was yeah, also a topic, and he held out season. and he missed a big chunk of training camp. So. You know, I'm not trying to use this as an example of, well, there's nothing to worry about, but I think there have happen. been far worse situations in NFL history where the contract doesn't get done, but the rookie decides he doesn't even want to show up. That has not been the case with Saquon Barkley. Yeah. So, in other words, if they don't have a contract by Sunday when, when the rookies are supposed to be here, he can still come even without a contract. I don't know the answer to that, and I don't think you can. I think you're allowed to up in like the off season stuff, allowed to be yeah. in the building and stuff. But as if you if you if you're here, um, because I think that once you no you can't be here. No, you cannot. All right, that's no. what I thought. No. So in other words, he could miss two or three days because yeah. they haven't got around to signing this, getting this contract done, well, which would be you know I know that two or three days is you know two or three days. I mean, it isn't going to be like set him back that much but it's just the idea they've had like since uh, april to sign this guy and they haven't done it and they haven't signed even mcintosh yet and i can understand that a little bit because of his uh health issue going on but uh i mean if they can't sign barkley how the heck are they going to sign odell that you know this year how are they going to sign odell before september 9th if they can't even sign barkley yet so that's my concern, I guess. Well, I think that, you know, as far as I, – I think it'll get done. And, you know, it's kind of funny that you you kind of – you don't think about how close this is. I mean, the rookies are reporting yeah. in a few days. I know. So, I know. you know, we just kind of – we get caught up in this offseason thinking it's going to last forever. Well, it's almost over. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> um, but, you know, as far as Odell, I think that, you know, the Brandon Cooks thing has now – you know, the, there's some other thing contracts that have kind of come to the, to the table, and now that they've got these things done and – so hopefully the team is now kind of seeing where he's going to slot in there. And, um, man, I hope something happens because it sure would hate, hate for him not to, to be there on in September. And also, just yeah. as a means of background information, what normally happens, rookies will sign, if they don't have their contract hammered out, they'll sign a letter of protection, which basically gives them protection against injury even though they're not signed so that they'll still recoup some of that money oh, wow. even though okay. you know they don't have a hardcore contract in place. So like I said, it, it varies from team to team depending on the language, but it's not as if the player is not protected even though he hasn't formally signed the contract. 
Yeah, yeah, well, that's good. I mean, the thing that I've been hearing is that they haven't even started negotiations with Odell yet. You know, I don't know if that's true or not, but it sounds like it is. So, I mean, that's that's disappointing to me is well, that Charlie, they should have been talking. Your sources are more accurate than any other sources. So anything <laughs> you've are. heard is by far 100% on point. So do not <laughs> doubt anything that you hear, Charlie, because you know <laughs> that there is no question that it is extremely reliable information. Hey, these are from reliable sources. Without a doubt, hey. that's why. I'm here to just emphasize but that. But do remember this. He's still under contract, and he still has to be here. Or they can find him up to $15,000 a day or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, Odell's living up to his bargain. He's been here, and, he, and he's going to continue to be here. He said he's not going to hold out. That's why I'm surprised that at least they should be talking to him and getting some parameters set up. Well, we don't and, know that know, they're not, right? Charlie, we we may we don't know that they're not. Maybe they've made a maybe they've made something to that's, confidentiality. That, Who knows? That, yeah, that's 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 possible. I just route. Uh, you know, I know Julio Jones is different because he has three years left on his contract. Right. But you know, Lander just said, "Hey, we're not doing anything." You know. So I don't know how that's going to go over for Julio or not, but I just hope they're, you know, you know, not having that same attitude. I think at some point you've got to have some urgency. I know Myra said, ah, nah, we ain't got no urgency. It's going to get done when it gets done. But, you know, time is, time is marching on here. Well, so, Charlie, remember, uh, you've got to keep in mind a few things. One, he is coming off a very serious injury. And, you know, the team may want to see a little bit more before they make a long-term commitment. I'm just talking about my own saying that that's yeah, what I yeah. heard. So, you know, that's one factor. Normally, guys who are entering the final year of their rookie deals, you know, not everybody's coming off an injury. So you feel okay about what the player has done and what he's going to do moving forward. In these rare instances, sometimes you want to see a little bit. The other thing is, remember, and I've said this time and time again, you also still have the franchise tag in the event that a deal doesn't get hammered out. It's not as if they're going to lose him for nothing. They can still retain his rights with the franchise tag. So, you know, it's not as if it's a do-or-die situation where if a deal doesn't get done by September, there's no way the Giants can retain Odell Beckham. You brought up Julio Jones, and Jones is different because Jones is talking about restructuring a deal that is already in place that he signed and that he and the team agreed to. And he also has a few years left on his contract, meaning he's looking at all the deals that other wide receivers got, and he's yeah. saying, well, wait a minute. I'm one of the elite guys. I want to get that money. And Atlanta has every right to say, Julio, we signed this deal with you a few years at ago. At that point, you were getting paid. Correct, and, and that's where you are. So it's a little bit different than the Odell Beckham circumstance. All right, guys. You guys have a great weekend. Good night, Charlie. Thank you. you as well. During camp. Sounds good. Oh. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat. Let's head back to the lines. Scott is in New Mexico. Scott, what's happening? Hi, Scott. Hi, guys. How you doing? Good, right, Scott. What do you got for us? Uh, I was uh, wanted to go over the Sam Beal pick. Uh, I know a lot of people have called it and said that they think it's a great pick. However, um, I have a little reservation. I was wondering if maybe you could assess my fears. <laughs> uh uh, there's only been about four decent players taken in the supplemental draft since 77, I guess the most famous being Chris Carter. But uh, there hasn't been anybody selected since 2015. And you had John Ledyard, I think that's his name, of Draft Network on. And he sort of itemized um, most of Sam Bill's traits, and they weren't really, his assessment wasn't really very glowing. Uh, he didn't tackle well. He didn't have great hands. This is John Lager, not my opinion, but yeah. doesn't use his feet well coming off the line of scrimmage, doesn't close well on the ball, and he's light at 180. I know you had Corey Sanders on who said he played at 190 pounds. But my question is this, because I don't know the player, and I, I've only seen a little bit of his game films against USC and against Eastern Michigan. And the interception, I know he hasn't intercepted the ball that often. He has two in his career. Right. The one off that he had off Sam Darnold was actually the receiver's fault. Correct. Well, it was, it was a ball deflected ball. ball. It was a deflected ball. So, I mean, he was right. just in the right place at the right time. Correct. Uh, so, here's, here's my question. Why is there such a diverse opinion about him if you have an expert, and I assume John Langard is an expert in, from Draft Network, saying all of these things, yet... Obviously, uh, uh, Dave Gettleman and the rest of the crew feel he's talented enough to get a roster spot. So I was wondering how pl uh, 
people can look at the same player and see different things. And well, I was wondering I mean, what your opinion was on that. I think that's the easiest question we've ever been asked on this show. <laughs> okay. I mean, you're, ta- you're talking about you're talking about guys that that make that do this for a living, that put rosters together, general managers who have been in the business for a long, long time, and now. was one of them from Miami back in the day. I have to get those Miami guys. Don't forget about Steve Walsh now. Um, But I think that, you know, you're right. And and so when they do go after one and people aren't saying much about it, I can see the question that you're having is like, well, why? And maybe that's kind of the answer. Yeah, I know like Ahmad uh, Brooks was taken in the supplemental draft and Jamal Williams was taken in the supplemental draft. And I think Josh Gordon, I think, was taken in the supplemental draft. Josh Gordon was taken in the supplemental draft, yep. Yeah, so you have some players. Uh, but here's my second question. Does he have third-round talent? In other words, the Giants took B.J. Hill this year. Forgetting that they play totally different positions, they're going to be used totally differently. Do you feel, either of you, that he has the same talent as a B.J. Hill that warrants a third-round draft? Well, B.J. Hill plays a completely different position, Scott. No, no, so I already I mean, said you know that. that. I said yeah. that. Obviously, they're going to be played totally different positions. But I'm talking about talent levels. Well, this is this is what I will say. He was projected before he entered the supplemental draft to be a first-round pick in 2019. So oh, okay. if he was projected to be a first-round pick in next year's draft, and the Giants are saying to themselves, we think highly of him, we think he has upside, and we can get him with a third-round pick, I mean, from a value standpoint, Scott, yes, I think that makes 100% sense. Because with the supplemental draft, it's all about value. It's about can you get a guy a little bit later than maybe where he would have been taken if he went through a normal draft. And I think that was part of the Giants' logic. And they said, well, if he was going to go in the first round in 2019 and we didn't think we were going to get him in the first round, we get him in a third-round pick and we can do it now. I, I could tell you this, and I and I may be completely wrong, but just from the people that I've spoken to, and from what I've heard about Sam Beal, is that don't be surprised if you see this guy's playing a lot on Sunday. I, I think that I think that one of the things um, that he needs to improve on is, and obviously uh, he wasn't a, you know, it was a guy. Th- listen, the reason that he was in the supplemental draft is because of. Of classroom stuff, and it wasn't that he didn't go to school, and it wasn't that he wasn't smart. He 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 fell short in his credits, and so yeah. they had to, you know, they. I'd, probably, I'd lean towards William Gay, I think, yeah, at but this I mean, point. I, but no I, lock. Yeah, Nothing's a lock. I absolutely. agree with you, Jeff. So, yeah. Good but, questions. But, Very good questions. Don't they also have Haley also from they Penn do. State yep, as another Grant guy Haley. that they're looking forward to? Sure, sure. And, again, it's all going to take – whatever happens is, is up to these guys. They go out and compete, and that's what sure. that's what Gettleman yeah. wants, and that's what Shermer wants. They want these guys to go compete. In the meantime, you want – Eli Apple to come back and have another uh, just a rebounding year, okay? Get just put everything aside and come back and play well. And of course, you got you know, and and Jenkins too. You got to get want him Both to come back and play well. Coming back from injury, yeah. yeah so. Right. Well, 
I, I appreciate the insight, guys. Have a nice weekend. Okay, uh, we'll Scott. Speak to you next week. Stay, uh, stay cool up there in New Mexico now. Huh? <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the care. phone call. Appreciate you weighing in. And we had both the head coach of Western Michigan, Tim Lester, as well as Corey Sanders, who Scott threw out, who is now with Pittsburgh, but he was his DB's coach. Both of those interviews are up on Giants.com. So if you want a little bit more insight on Sam Beal, now, you know, they have obviously their own perspective because they coached him. But well, sure. I- That's why I think it always helps when you get some background information. But they did point out that he played around 190, and they feel that he could get back up to that area. Well, how far did he go? When he played, well, he went down to about the 178 range. Wound up getting down to. Well, so just, you just have him come to the cafeteria. There you go. Come to the cafeteria, yeah, stock up, and be uh, should be uh, back. <laughs> exactly in real good position. <laughs> By the way, they feed people really well around here. So <laughs> yes. The nutrition value is yeah, not a shortcoming. Absolutely. So I don't think they have anything to worry about. But, you know, also you had, you know, the last caller point out, well, they have young guys like Grant Haley. I think any coach will tell you, Jeff, the volume of numbers is a good thing. It's not a bad thing, especially when you don't really know what's going to become of your secondary. You might as well bring in a number of young guys, let them battle out, and let's Out and uh, we will be well underway in terms of putting the pads on and working out. Well, one thing about this, this is different. I mean, in the past, the rookies haven't come early. You know, they the yeah. whole team is. And really, what you do there is it's all about um, installation. They the, the rookies get a little little head start on installing the playbook, and they want to get them a little bit ahead of, ahead. So when the veterans do come in, because when training camp. It goes quick. There's 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 not a lot of time like in the off season. Now you you have you have five weeks basically to get ready until that first game, and you are just you're you're moving ahead. And what happens with a lot of these guys is their physical attributes are great on the field, 
And this is why there's so many, so many times when you see these guys go out and they get graded and they and they have the interviews and they ask coaches about this and that, and they're and not only that that, that stupid Wonderlick test and all the things. <laughs> this is what it's all about. When you get the training camp, okay, the OTAs and the and the mini camps when the rookie guys are here, they learn a little bit. But man, it is accelerated process when you get to camp, learning that playbook and going and going. They pass you over. It's like you got to get a tutor. <laughs> I mean, you really you fall do. Behind, you're if screwed. you fall behind, okay, you might be able to be really good on on the field athletically and physically, but if you're falling behind schematically and you can't understand things, you are not going to step on the field. Because I'll tell you one thing, and I could ask a hundred coaches, and a hundred of them would say to me, "I will take a smart football player over a dumb football player any day of the." week yeah well because if you don't know the plays jeff you're also a liability to the rest of your no team. question there's absolutely no question you know what i am not going to put you on the field lance if you don't understand the coverages and how to run routes and you know what these how, i'm not you're not going to go out there i don't care how good you are because you ultimately you're going to cost us either a play a game something so training We'll be up and running it's here. on Monday once again with the latest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Certainly appreciate everybody for tuning in. Enjoy your weekend. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Lance Meadow. See you all next week. We will speak to you next week right here on Giants.com. Have a good one.